right, guys, let's get into the word today. We did a lot of things to start off service, so I got to get started quick. Otherwise, well, we still won't be here long. I won't do that to you. But I do got to get started. Otherwise, I'll have to talk really, really fast. And Pastor Prentice tells me sometimes I talk too fast anyway, so. (laughs) Well, listen, today I have an ordinary word for you. A boring, it's going to be boring. (laughs) It's going to be boring in the sense that I'm going to talk about what's boring. How many of you will agree, when you were a kid, you couldn't wait to be an adult, right? Yeah. We, We wanted to grow up. And I saw this little thing, I think Aaron posted it this week. It said, this isn't what I thought I was getting when I said I wanted to grow up, right? And I said, it's bills. They don't tell you about bills when you're little, right? Bills will do it to you every time, right? You grow up, you get that first paycheck. You're like, I am rich. And then the next day, you're like, Mom, can I have $5? Because <laughs> I had to pay bills, and now I'm broke, right? But we have sometimes these ideas of what it means to be grown up, right, about what life is supposed to be. It's supposed to be full of excitement and adventure, right? Everywhere you go, every journal, every notebook says, let the adventure begin, right? It's all about the dreaming, the next big dream. And those things are great. Don't get me wrong, right? But how many of you know, like, vacation, if we're lucky, is like two weeks out of the year. And when you're in real life, so much of our life is busted pipes and (laughs) doctor's appointments and just getting up every day going to work, right? Anybody ever seen that movie Groundhog Day where he keeps waking up and reliving the same day? And some days you feel that anybody ever get in your car and you drive somewhere and you don't remember driving there, right? Because we just, we do the same thing so many times. There's such an ordinariness to life. And I grew up in a generation that was all about, I was always being told, God's got something big for you. you got to wait. God's going to do something big with your life, right? And boy, that just sets us up for disappointment when we're, we're at home and we're like trying to pick out a Netflix show to watch. And we're like, really, is this, is this that big thing I thought was going to happen in my life, right? We so over-exaggerate the big that we forget the beauty in the ordinary, You know, so much of Jesus' ministry was walking around and eating and washing people's feet and just talking to people, (laughs) right? So much of what Jesus did on earth was ordinary with miracles built in. So I want to talk today really quickly about a holy ordinary. Colossians 3.23, are, we've wrapped up a series on Colossians, but this verse is one I always come back to every year at the beginning of a school year. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it for the Lord as not for men. That changes your perspective on things, right? When your boss asks you to do something crazy, Right? You're like, I'm doing this for the Lord. I'm doing this for the Lord, right? A couple Sundays ago when one of the pipes burst in the hallway, and um, (laughs) me and Brother Charles and James and all of us were out there, and, I mean, James was already into his second shirt for the the day of sweating, and we were, like, squeegeeing the floor, right, before church. Uh, Doing this for the Lord, (laughs) right? 
doing this for the Lord. I was the ordinary man. It was no fun. How do we, how do we make our ordinary life holy? How do we not live with some type of unnecessary disappointment, expecting God to do something when we have and serve a God who does such wonderful things in the ordinary? A holy ordinary. Whatever you do, do it to the Lord. Whatever you do, do it to the Lord. And you may ask yourself, how do I do this? For the Lord. How do I clean my house for the Lord? How do I plant flowers for the Lord? How do I change diapers for the Lord? How do I fix things for the Lord? How do I go into the crawl space under my house for the Lord? That seems crazy. How do I do whatever for the Lord? The word holy means dedicated and consecrated. So whenever you do something for the Lord, it becomes holy work. When you dedicate your life, you dedicate your actions, you dedicate yourself to the Lord, then everything that you do becomes kingdom holy work. So we set apart our lives and we consecrate our actions to the Lord. And they become a holy work. I want to tell you that really this message, this verse had been on my heart for a while. But I had the opportunity to go home um, to North Carolina where my grandparents live and spend some time there. And my grandmother, we say she's like a duck because things just roll off her back, you know. She never gets frazzled or bothered, you know. And my grandfather, he'll hear this eventually, so, but he's a, he's a pill. He's difficult, but she doesn't ever get frustrated, right? Just rolls off of her. And she does such ordinary things with such grace, makes biscuits with such joy, right? Makes plates of nachos for my kids with such joy. I didn't realize that nachos could seem holy <laughs> until she made them. And I realize that in all of the things that she's done her whole life, she has always consecrated herself to the Lord. And so everything she does for everyone and in every situation is done as it's unto the Lord. And therefore, it feels holy. She has read the Bible through every year for over 40 years. She is not, she would tell you she's not a Bible scholar but she knows the word of God in a way that most of us never will and most people who study it never will. Because more than just studying it like a student, she has just poured it into herself and it has become the words of her mouth reflect the scripture that she absorbs. And so the words that she speaks are tinted with scripture and the phrases and the things that come out of her are all touched by the word of God, and so things become holy. And when I was there, I thought, my grandmother has never preached a message. She's listened to a million. And yet, everything she's done has been an ordinary type of holy. And man, do I want that in my life. 
We have to stop looking for the next move or waiting on God to do something or waiting for God to come and bring some wave and some word and some emotion. And we've just got to realize that we serve a God who changed the whole structure of the universe simply by walking around and talking to 12 men. He reshaped the whole world by just talking and healing and loving and being present. It's a holy, sacred opportunity to do whatever we do as if it's unto the Lord. We're going to get into Romans chapter 12. I'm going to use the message version today um, just because it kind of helps us break it down in some terms that we can kind of create and say, okay, I can grab a hold of this. So let's look at Romans chapter 12, and I have got for us today just five little points. We're going to pull out these scriptures and jump into them. Verses 1 and 2. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it for, before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out in you and develops well-formed maturity in you. This whole chapter of the Bible just points for us how to just get through Monday through Friday with nothing spectacular happening and tells us how to do it in a holy, holy way. Listen, your ordinary in God's hands becomes extraordinary, right? <coughs> it's like it, it, these flowers, right? Because see, how many of you, like, see, we have people who are good at this. Miss Dawn, these are like random flowers, do you see how pretty they look? Like on purpose pretty. I could buy a bouquet that was all put together and it still would not look on pretty purpose. <laughs> like I just, it wouldn't, right? Because when you have somebody who's gifted at something and you give them those things, they make something beautiful out of it. I go to Miss Tina's house, I open her cabinets. I'm like, how do you cook with nothing but ingredients? <coughs> There's no boxes in there, guys. She has things like wheat flour and jars that don't even have labels on them, right? But listen, in the hands of someone who knows what to do, they take things and they make something wonderful out of it. So if you can give your ordinary boring life to God, he can make something extraordinary out of it, right? He can take those moments of confusion and make them make sense. He is the master creator, the master potter, the master at putting together our lives to be extraordinary. So when we give it to him, he makes it extraordinary. When we become fixed on him and focus on seeing him, then we can see what our life is supposed to be about. And most importantly, he brings out the best in you. Because he's really the only one that can see the best in you. Right? He always sees the best in you. He is that parent that the teacher goes to and they're like, your child is running amok. 
And he's like, but isn't he wonderful? And you're like, can you see him? Does he live with you? He's crazy. And, and, and God just, but isn't he wonderful? Right? Because when he looks at you, he sees the best in you. And he's the only one that can really bring it out of you. So we've got to just give it over as a sacrifice to him, that ordinary life. Verse 3, I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace, it is important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does, not by what we are and what we do for him. If we, boy, this world is all about understanding ourselves. And if we would just realize that if we could learn to understand God, we would know us because he made us. Verses four through eight. I know I'm reading to you today. I know read not boring in this way we are like the various parts of a human body each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole not the other way around the body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body but as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe we wouldn't amount to much would we so since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. In this way, we are like the various parts of the human body. Each part gets its meaning. Did I just touch the same the home? Not the other way around. Is it? Re I'm reading it again, aren't I? Yep. It copied and pasted. There you go. I'm going to skip down where it says, if you preach. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. Listen, our purpose is part of a whole. So the best thing that we can do in living a life that is holy in its ordinariness is to kill off envy and pride and comparison. Just be yourself who you were meant to be. Just be yourself. For a few minutes last night, I watched a little bit of a dunk contest on TV. No, I don't watch basketball, but okay. But there was a guy from Jackson who was a Jackson student who was on it, right? And they had to randomly draw out their pairing of who they were going to go against in this dunk contest, right? So this one guy, six feet tall, pretty tall, right, drew his partner he had to go against, had a wingspan of seven feet. It did not go well for him. Not only did he not able to get over him to dunk, right? But when he had to defend against a man with seven foot wingspan, he jumped as high as he could. And as they said, it looked like there was a chalk imprint of him on the ground. Y'all, he went up and he hit and he fell with such force flat, all of his extremities out, arms, legs, everything. 
boom. And he got up quickly and walked away. But I knew in that moment, as a mom, he wanted nothing more than for his mom to come. Because I know he could not breathe. Right? Let me tell you something. We are not all meant to dunk. If you do not have a seven-foot wingspan, you are probably not meant to dunk. If you are good at something, it is your thing. We all have a different thing that we are good at. And the worst thing we can do is get ourselves into a position where we are envying other people or where we are prideful because we think, well, I'm the one who dunks, so I'm the coolest. Let me tell you something, bro. If you don't have somebody to turn the lights on in those gym, you can't dunk, right? We used to tell actors on stage that all the time. It's great that you're so talented on stage. But if you make the tech people mad, no one will hear you or see you, right? Everybody has their part to play. Don't get prideful at what you have been gifted at because you are created to need someone else. You're created to be part of a whole And so part of how we can live this life day in and day out is to realize that I am part of a whole. And I am meant to work with and in support of and have others support me. And we are meant to work together. And so I'm going to be me and I'm going to kill off the envy. I'm going to kill off that pride and comparison because all it does is create arthritis in your joints. And it makes us not able to function and move. Because envy strains and pride inflames. And care and comparison pulls us apart. And we need to be healthy in our connection. It's part of being able to live an ordinary life that is holy. Is to acknowledge the holiness of the other people around us. And their importance in our lives. Verse 9, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled in a flame. Be alert servants of his master. Cheerfully expect it. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. That's hard. I'm going to give you a little tip, a little side note. It's not in the scripture. If you're having a hard time, best to fake it than be a jerk. There's no excuse for being a jerk to people, right? It just ruins. It ruins that connection and that opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ. So the best thing we can do for ourselves is to really lean into Jesus and learn how to love from the center. And Jesus is the center, right? So when we love from the center, we're loving from the Jesus inside of us, not the flesh inside of us. And so when we can love from the center and love from Jesus and train ourselves to love people from down in here, man, it just makes it so much easier and better. And it's really hard to hate people you love. It really is hard. Playing second fiddle, man, you got to learn to cheer some people on, right? I saw this little thing that said, I'm going to support my fellow sisters so much that their hair is going to look like it's blowing in the wind from the cheers coming out of my mouth, right? Let your support 
for other people be so strong that they feel like they're being lifted up, right? Celebrate what they are doing, even if what they are doing is something you wanted and they got. And that's hard, but let me tell you something. God always comes through. So if there is something that is meant for you to do, you will do it. It may not be right at this point, but support and cheer on. Learn to play second fiddle. And don't quit. And there was a little part in here that said fuel yourselves. I know there's that running joke about um, people, like, running their gas tank all the way down until, like, their spouse gets in the car and then it's empty, right? You know that? Like, you're in a hurry to go somewhere, right? You run out to the car and get in, and there's no gas in it. Like, you couldn't have said something when you came in. Like, oh, by the way, no gas, plan for an extra 10 minutes to get some, right? No. But let me tell you guys, we got to quit rolling into church on Sundays, scraping barely empty on fumes, and expecting this 30 minutes that you're listening to the word and 30 minutes of worship to get your tank back to full. You need a full tank. You got to keep fueling yourself, right? Man, this is where you come to top it off, right? This is where you come to get the overflow. And if you're relying on other people to fill your tank, you are going to constantly be running on fumes. You have got to fuel yourselves. You have got to, because there are going to be days that drain all of the energy out of you. There are going to be days that drains all of the Jesus out of you. You'll be like, my center of love has shriveled up. And Sunday is still four days away. <laughs> right? I better find some worship music. I better get out my Bible. I better start trying to fuel myself. Take ownership of your life, your ordinary life. It's amazing how much Jesus we need just to get through the day to day. We need a lot of him. So fuel yourself up. Verse 14, bless your enemies. It could say, like, bless the people on Facebook. <laughs> no cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they are happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scripture tells us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. A sustained life in Christ is not glamorous. It's not fireworks and followers. A sustained life. Out at Youth America one time, Pastor Kirk Pankratz was doing a teaching, and he was talking about longevity in not only ministry but in the Christian faith. And he was talking about the number of amazingly talented communicators and worship leaders that they had seen over the 30 years of running their ministry. And how many of them came in and were such bright and shining stars, and they didn't last, right? Because fireworks fizzle out, guys. 
And let me tell you, there are some moments with Jesus that are so sweet and special. But those moments can sometimes feel few and far between. Those goosebump moments. Man, sometimes our gifts are on display, right? And everybody tells you, man, that was great. You did such a great job, right? But then Monday come, then Tuesday and Wednesday, and we just got to get on with getting on, right? Life is not always glamorous, but it is always holy. Life is not always some big moment, but it is always holy. That's the great thing about the goodness of God. Are there going to be moves of the Spirit? Yes. Are there going to be days where, where God elevates you to a place where you are able to do wonderful things? Yes. But does that moment any more holy than the moment that you hold a baby for a mom so she can take a shower? No. Is it any more holy then when you decide to help fix your child's uniform because you don't have money to buy them a new one, but you're doing the best that you can, let me tell you, that's holy. It's holy. When you make the decision to keep going when you don't want to keep going, it's holy. When you come to God and you say, this is all I have, this life full of debt, and teenagers, and babies, and bills. This life of Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., and sometimes longer. This life is what I have, God, and you give it to him. He says, well, that's wonderful, because I only need a few ingredients to make something extraordinary. I don't need all the things I've already given you. Let me tell you something. Jesus doesn't need your supernatural talent. He doesn't need your abilities. He just needs your heart. And he makes something extraordinary out of it. I just have had so many conversations, even with people older than me, who have said, I just don't know my place. I'm just waiting for God to show me what he wants to do with my life. Well, he gave you those children right there. He put you in a community of faith. He put you at a job. He had you interact with that lady at the Jackson Clinic, <laughs> right? I just keep waiting for God to do some big thing. Hey, I'm not here to say that one day somebody won't stand in front of a crowd of people and have a Billy Graham moment where you lead thousands of people to the Lord. But I also know that somebody else led Billy Graham to the Lord because they just kept teaching Sunday school every week. Because they just kept showing up. Right? They just kept doing it. You know? And it was ordinary. And it was probably hard and sometimes boring. But if we give it to God, he makes something holy out of it. My grandmother has had lots of heartache in her life. She's buried grandbabies. She's gone through trauma and sickness and a husband who's had massive multiple heart attacks. She's also seen miracles, seen people be healed, seen people get saved, watched to see all of her grandchildren come to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and left that legacy, right? 
She's been on mission trips. My grandmother can't drive. She's a little short kind of round lady, but she went to the Philippines on a mission trip with my grandfather. They built a Bible college that still exists in the Philippines, right? There's little kids in the Philippines named Max and Rebecca. It's definitely not Filipino names <laughs> because they did that. You know what else, though? She also just made biscuits, <laughs> and she makes a great setup for potluck on Sundays. And she made lots of nachos. And both of those things are holy. So it's really all about this ordinary life. It really is about whatever you do. And for some of us in here, we have to get up Monday morning and go to work just like we did Friday. Some of us have the added pressure of now we have to make our children get up and put a uniform on. So prayers for us, right? Yeah. Some of us are packing up and heading out on huge adventures, right? Don't you remember when you had nothing and you had to, you realize you're like, oh, I need something to put my clothes in. Where do I get one of those, <laughs> right? They're getting ready to begin grand adventures and start a life full of who knows what. Wherever you are, in whatever season you're in, it's holy. And so listen today, the word says in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord and not to men. 